Well, a little, over, a little over six years ago, I got to live my dream. Well, what I thought was my dream. I had uh, grew up in Ohio and I moved to California. I was living on the coast and I had convinced my mother to loan me $4,000 to let me buy a 1989 Jeep Wrangler. Go ahead and put this up for me, right? This was me living out my dream as a 16-year-old to own a Jeep and you can see all of its, and all of its splendor, right? Uh, and uh, got that Jeep and, you know, on the, ironically, that Jeep in my life had a lot of parallels at that time. On the outside, everything looked awesome, right? Had a fresh paint job. You can see uh, the surfboard hanging in the back there. Like you had the bikini top on there. I mean, come on, right? Let's go. Uh, And everything was great on the outside. But on the inside, mechanically, that thing had all kinds of issues, right? It had, it had, it was, it constantly cost me money to get it fixed. And it had this electrical issue where it would literally shut off on the freeway. Now, how many of you, you can get some faith when your car shuts down on the freeway? Say, yeah right? And I'd be driving, I hit a bump, and that thing would just shut off. And it was a five-speed, and I would have to drop it into gear going 55 miles an hour on the freeway. I was like, I was literally Carrie Underwood. Jesus, take the wheel, right? Like, help me out here. Uh, and, uh, and so on the outside, it was like all kinds of issues. And, in, and the big thing was I'd bought it out of state, and it had been converted to a fuel injection. And so in the state of California, the, that part was illegal, which meant I could not legally get it small which meant I was stuck with this Jeep. I could not sell it for the life of me. And right around the same time, my life looked a lot the same. It looked very similar. On the outside, everything looked good. I, I you know, was doing seminary, was going to church, all that kind of thing. But on the inside, like if you could have taken a look under the hood of my life, uh, it was not going well. I was, I, was, I was completely broke. I had no money. My, my, cards, my credit cards were all maxed out. And, uh, and I, now and then I was stuck with this, this Jeep and that I could not get rid of. And I, I kid you not, I literally one night, I just broke down and I cried. Like I, like I was a grown man at that point. And I was like, ah, right? Like, what am I supposed to do? And I, li- and I literally cried. But I can tell you this, I can tell you this, that there was another powerful thing that happened on that night. I had a very powerful moment. And that moment was this. I had a from that day on moment. Have you ever had a from that day on moment? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Like from that day on. You know, some of them are obvious. We said, you know, we got married and from that day on our life has changed. We had, some of us have had children and from that day on our life has changed. Some of us remember the first time that we bought toilet paper for ourselves. And that, from that day on, our life was, was changed. But have you ever had a from that day on moment? Maybe it wasn't, uh, you know, that more of those more private but powerful moments, right? That time where, the, you know, the girl said yes and you're excited or the time the guy broke your heart. Or maybe it was uh, health, you, you watched a health documentary and you thought from that day on, like I'm done with sugar for like three days, right? But have you ever had a from that day on moment? So here's my question. Many of us have had a from that day on moment, but what really changed? What really changed in that moment? Like if you could, if you could go back to that point where, where your life was changed, maybe for the better or for the worse, but things changed after that, if you could go back and find out what was the ingredient that enacted that change, 
That's what I want to look at because that's the ingredient that we're after as we begin this, this series. So if you have your Bibles, you can move to uh, the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 16. Uh, and I'm going to give us some context for us before we jump into that. And the context is this, is that uh, in 1 Samuel 16, what you have is the prophet Samuel. Everybody say Samuel. Right? You have the prophet Samuel. And Samuel is uh, in this, he's kind of helped transition the nation of Israel. Israel had went from the people of God, where, where they had uh, their one leader was just God. And everything went through God, their decisions went through God, everything. But then they got to this point where they wanted to be like all the other nations. Now, I know that none of us would ever want to be like, you know, somebody that we see on TV or social media. I know that. But if you can imagine, the people of Israel were at this place where they wanted to be like other nations. And so they wanted a king. And their first king, their first go at it, did not go well. It was this guy named Saul. Everybody say Saul. Did not go well. And so now we're in this place where God is done with Saul and they're transitioning to this person of King David. And we're going to look at King David for a moment, kind of like the, the beginning part of King David. King David's one of the most famous people in all of the Bibles and maybe even all of the world. Um, but we want to look at kind of like how did that begin and what did that look like uh, as we jump in this morning. So we're going to look at First uh, Samuel 16, beginning in verse 1. And I'm going to read this is kind of a, it's a story. That's how a lot of the Old Testament is written. It's a story. And so I'm going to kind of read through it, offer you some comments, but then also give you some, some points as well uh, this morning. So if you've got it, would you say, I got it? All right, here we go. It says this. It says, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? And then he says, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Now, pause there for a moment. Pause there for a moment in that passage. Can I just offer you this? Some, sometimes it is time to move on. Say yes. Sometimes in our life, it is time to move on. I think, I love this passage that we have because what it's showing us is that God did everything he could to work with Saul and it just wasn't working. And what it teaches us is that sometimes in our life, there's just times where it is time to move on. It's time to stop investing in that thing. It's time to stop keep putting money into that thing. It is time to literally move on. And as we begin 2019, what, what better time to think about uh, different things as we think about our life and we think about our rhythms and we think about those things that we have been giving to. And maybe, it, maybe it's not even like a positive thing. Maybe it's a negative thing, right? It's a habit that we don't want to have any, around anymore. But the message is this. Sometimes it is time to move on. And this is what God is telling Samuel to kind of like, like, hey, dude, let's go. It's time to move on. He goes on in verse 2. But Samuel said, how can I go if Saul hears about it? He will kill me. Again, pause there for, for, uh, for this passage. And, and, the, and the question to me is this, is how can I accomplish blank? Have you ever wondered that? Right? How can I accomplish blank? Pastor, you're talking about changing rhythms. You're talking about moving on. How can I accomplish 
blank. And here was Samuel in the same place. God had called him to do something. And Samuel's response, his, his question is, how, how can I accomplish this thing? So if you're here this morning and you're at that place, just know that, that God is going to help you as we unpack this. And even as we begin this series, we kind of want to walk with you. That's why we're offering the men's group, the women's group, because we want to help you be able to step over that place. And the other part is this. Samuel is fearful of Saul and wants to know how he's going to accomplish the thing God had accomplished, wanted him to accomplish. And the other part is, the thing God has called you to do is not going to kill you. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not going to die, right? There's something in the, ba- in the small part of our brain, there's something in the small, like, pea-sized lizard part of our brain that tells us if we do this, if we make this change, man, if I, if I get rid of my credit card, I'm going to die, right? We don't literally think I'm going to die, but what happens? We think of all the bad stuff that could happen. I'm going to be on the side of the road. My tire's going to go out. I'm going to have no clothes. Everybody's going to see me and post it on their Instagram. It's going to be the worst thing ever, right? But you need to hear this because I think this is what God was communicating to Samuel. He says, the thing I'm calling you to, the thing I'm inviting you into to change, something's got to change, that thing is not going to kill you. You're not going to die. In fact, I have to do this exercise with myself uh, uh, quite often. Like I have to kind of remind myself when I have to have a conversation, when I have to do something tough, when I have to do something difficult, I literally have to kind of give me this, my re- the reality, you're not going to die. You're not going to die. And this is what God is telling Samuel. You're not going to die. He goes on. The Lord says, he says, take a heifer, take, take an animal with you and say, I've come to, so he's given him a plan. I love this, right? God doesn't get upset with Samuel. He gives him a plan. This is how you're going to do this thing that you're scared about. I've come to sacrifice. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I'll show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said when he arrived at Bethlehem. The elders of the town, they trembled when they met him. Apparently, whenever Samuel showed up, it was not good news because they asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, I come in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come, to, and, come and sacrifice with me. And then he consecrate, consecrated. Now, this is very, very important for us this morning and for our journey. Then he, count, he consecrated Jesse and his sons, and he invited them to the sacrifice. In verse 6, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. Hear this this morning. Be careful of what you think it's supposed to look like. Be careful of what you think it's supposed to look like. God, I already know who, who you've called me to marry. It, she looks like Jennifer Aniston. She has no bills, and uh, my life is going to be fantastic. God, I already know how you're going to get me into this place. I already know how you're going to get me into this job. It's going to work this way. I'm going to present this thing, and it's going to happen this way. Be careful, be careful presuming on God what you think it's going to look like. Here is Samuel, and he shows up. He's doing the thing that God had called him to do. He's, he's operating in this premise that something has to change. And as soon as he sees Eliab, he's, he thinks, surely this is what God intends. Surely this is what it's supposed to look like. So this morning, what I would love for you to do is kind of erase whatever, the, whatever thoughts you think they're supposed to look like because it's, not gonna, it's probably not going to look the way that you think it's going to look. And you know how freeing that is? 
Do you know how freeing it is to say, God, this is where I want to go. This is what I want to accomplish. This is what I hope for my kids. But, but to be honest with you, I, I want to control that. I want to mold that. I want to put my hands on it because I think I know what it should look like. But if we will let your hands off of the wheel and allow God to drive, he will get you to where you need to go. But you need to be, be very careful of what you presume on God. Verse 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, it's one of the most famous verses in the Bible, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but God is looking at the heart. And then, and then let's jump in. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. And finally, Samuel picked up on it. He's like, I'm not going to presume anymore. I'm going to act on what God is leading me to, to do. And Abinadab passes, and he says, this isn't the one. And then Jesse had Shema pass by. Maybe God was real picky about the names. He didn't want Abinadab to be the most famous, right? I don't know. But he has Shema pass. He said, this isn't the one either. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, before Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these either. Another little pause and note for you. Would you be patient with the Lord? Would you be patient with what God wants to do in your life? I know, I know, I'm the same way. I, like, I would like God to operate the same speed as my internet, right? I like to know that when I click on Amazon Prime, it shows up and I get to watch all of my favorite shows. But God decides how he wants to work. Sometimes he's gonna work fast and sometimes he's gonna work slow. But would you be patient? And in the story, what we see is all these sons passing by, Samuel not jumping on them because it wasn't yet the person that God had chosen. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons that you have? And he says, there is still the youngest. He is tending sheep, which is gonna be important as we jump back into it. Samuel said, send for him because we're not gonna sit down until he arrives. And so he sent for him and he had him brought in and he was glowing with health and had fine appearance and handsome features. Wouldn't you like God to write that about you and his story, right? It's like, whoa, fine and handsome features. I know this guy over here would like that, right? But wouldn't we love that? Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. This is the one. Have you, ever, have you ever made an investment into something hoping that one day it would pay off? Has anybody ever done something like that? Maybe it's a 401k. Maybe you have a pair of pants in your closet that you think one day I'm gonna be skinny again, right? right? Have you ever done something like that? When I was in high school, I, showed, uh, I got into my 11th grade year. It's like one of the first week of my 11th grade year. And uh, there was this girl named Ashley McGuffey. And Ash, we were in the same grade the whole time from 7th grade and 8th grade, 9th grade, and 10th grade. But for whatever reason, when I came in on 11th grade, I said, whoa, who are you and where have you been, right? And so I show up, but the only thing with Ashley McGuffey is that Ashley uh, was not single. She was like dating this older guy who was literally a model, had way more money than I had. Literally, he drove a Jeep when we were in high school. How cool is that, right? But, but for whatever reason, I was like a man possessed. I was like, I don't care about any of those things. I'm gonna do whatever it takes to accomplish, accomplish my goal of getting this girl. And so I convinced my buddy, Ryan Saxtetter, to join prom committee with me because Ashley, 
actually was on the prom committee, right? Have, have, you, ever, have you ever made an investment into something hoping that, what, now all of you are looking at me like, oh, Pastor Mike, right? Wait till Crosby gets here, right? She knows the story, right? But, but have you ever made an investment hoping that something would pay off, right? You basically like the, the ends or the means justified the ends, right? Have you ever been in that position? The interesting thing about this story is that is, is with David. When Samuel discovers David, David is where? He's out tending the sheep. Now hear this. But David isn't out tending the sheep so that he can become the next king of Israel. He, he's not out there doing this task with thinking that someday the, some photo, photographer's gonna show up and they're gonna watch me doing my thing and that's gonna get in front of the papers and I'm gonna become the next king of Israel. No, 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 no. David was doing what he knew to be doing. In other words, he's not trying to achieve something so that he can become someone. He's not trying to achieve something so that he can become someone. Rather, he's focused on becoming someone so that he can accomplish something. Here, here's the little backstory. David was an Israelite. And as an Israelite, David would have grew up learning about people like Abraham and, and people like Moses. And so he, he knew that, that as a, one of God's people, that God was going to use the people of Israel to be a blessing to the world. And that was super ingrained in David. That was his identity. That's what he understood himself to be. And so when he was out tending the sheep, he wasn't doing that so that he could go on and do something great. Rather, he was focused on becoming all that he needed to become. And, here, and here's kind of the real quick point before you jump into that one, Josh, is the one before, is that our faith shapes our identity. Our faith shapes our identity, and then our identity shapes our direction. And that's important this morning if you are a Christ follower and you're trying to figure out where, where am I supposed to go, the first kind of part in that is how our faith will shape our identity. That, that gives us an understanding of who we are and what God has called us to do and, and to be. And that part is shaping for then my direction that I'm supposed to head in. And this is what David's doing. But until God is, opens this door for him, David focused on becoming someone rather than achieving something. And this is the big point for us this morning, and now you can put it up, is that becoming someone is greater than achieving something. I would argue that if we could go back in your life to your from that day on moment, that the ingredient that was present and that was guiding that was that you decided not to achieve something, you decided that you're gonna become someone. That moment when I'm in my uh, apartment in Costa Mesa, literally in tears, I didn't make a decision to where, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pay off this Jeep and my life is going to be better. No, 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 no. Do you know what decision I made? I made a decision that I will never make unwise financial decisions again. I decided that I will never be a person that's going to be loaded down with debt. I made an identity decision that day. Regardless of what it looks like, I don't care if I never get married. I don't care if girls think I'm ugly because I have an ugly car. I don't care about that. I made an identity decision that day, and I would argue that's what you made when you had your from that day on moment as well. Because becoming someone is greater. It's more important. It is better than achieving something. 
You can, and you can put that in as a parent. You can put that in as your career. You can put that, in, that, that equation into any uh, setting, and, and, you will, and it will prove to be true when there was change. Financially, rather than saying, I'm going to pay some bills, you make an identity decision where you say, I'm never going to be broke again. I'm not going to be the kind of person that does that. Relationally, you don't say, oh, one day I'm going to do nice things for my kids. Rather, you make a decision, I'm going to be a great dad. With your faith, you don't say, oh, I'm going to attend church a few times. You make an identity decision that I'm going to be a follower of Christ. And Christ is going to be the one that has ultimate authority over my life, over my money, over my time, over everything. You're not making a decision to accomplish something. You're making a decision to become someone. Becoming someone is better. It's greater than achieving something for this reason. Because by focusing on who you are, which, I, which is an identity thing, it will shape what you do. If you focus on becoming someone, it will then shape what you, what you do. Look at the scripture very quickly this morning. In verse, uh, I put uh, verse 1 and verse 11 and 12 uh, together. And in verse 1, in the beginning, Samuel said, or God's speaking to Samuel, and he said, I have chosen one of his sons to be king, referring to, uh, referring to Jesse and referring to David. And so when they get through to the end of the story and they've had all the sons pass by, Samuel did not see the one. And so he asked Jesse, are, are all these the sons that you have? And he says, they're still the youngest, but he's out tending sheep. And Samuel said, send for him because I'm not going to sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him, he brought him in, and he was glowing and with health and had fine appearance uh, and handsome features. Which, by the way, initially God said he doesn't look at the outside, but then the author tells us that he had fine appearance and was glowing in health. Like, I, I really don't know, like, what, what was happening there other than maybe you are supposed to marry Jennifer Aniston looking like girl. I don't know, right? But here's the thing. It's my belief that David had a strong sense of who God was and that knowledge shaped who David was. God, David had a strong understanding and, and sense of, of who God was, like his character, that God was not a respecter of persons. And it didn't matter if one day he's out tending sheep because if it was up to God, he can make him king of Israel the next day. He had an understanding of who God was, which shaped, then shaped his identity, which then had this impact on what he does, Right? He's out, he's out tending the sheep, but he's not tending the sheep so that he can become someone. He is becoming someone, and part of that is impacting his habits, that he's out serving his dad, that he's out taking care of property, that he's out getting leadership skills. Now, I don't know if David was doing these things intentionally and knew how all of these skills and habits were gonna help him go on to be one of the, the greatest kings of Israel. I don't know any of those things, but what I do believe is that he had a strong sense of his identity, and that part impacted then what he, what he did. And so hear this. If who we are, our identity, shapes what we do, then in order to shape what we do, we have to find a way to change who we are. Did you hear that? Hear them, real quick. If, if who we are, I don't, want, I don't want you to miss this. If who we are, our identity, shapes what we do, Right? So if I'm a Christ follower, that, that has impacts on my habits and my actions and what I do. If my identity, who I am, if it shapes what I do, then in order to shape the things that I do, I have to find a way for that to have an impact on who I am. 
Essentially what I'm saying is that as we begin this new series, as we start uh, uh, and you begin a new year on, on looking to change some things, become a better dad or, you know, save some money or whatever those things are, then in order to achieve these things, I, I have to find a way to influence my identity, like, like who I am. So how do we do that? Well, I'm glad that you asked. Turn to your neighbor and, I, and tell him, I'm glad he asked, Right. Very, very quickly, I'm going to give you some practical stuff. So this is where it's going to kind of transition to more, more of a teaching uh, uh, really quickly this morning. Because, and there's this, I have some slides and I've got my little whiteboard up here as well. There's, there's three layers of behavior change. So if you're sitting here and you're trying to change a habit, you're trying to change something, you need to know this. There's, there's three layers of, of behavior change. Uh, and you can think of it like an onion. An onion has what? Layers, Right? So you got this, Josh, you can put this, uh, this up, please. So you have a couple of layers. What you have is you've got, um, you have an outside layer, middle layer, and then this core layer. So outside, as you can see, is, is the outcomes. This kind of middle layer here is like our, our processes, and then this layer here is identity. Uh, outcomes is like what you want to see happen, right? I want to get out of debt. I want my kids to not go to jail, right? Like whatever, whatever your outcome is that you want. And then uh, in the middle here is then the processes, right? Of, hey, I'm going to have them be a part of the church or I'm going to start doing a budget. Those are processes that help you get to the outcome. And then the identity part is like, is your beliefs, like what you believe to be true, right? If I, if I, you know, make a decision to be debt-free, then I'm going to do the budget thing and then I will become debt-free. That's, that's kind of, uh, in a nutshell, how behavior change happens. Now, the only thing is, what we tend to do, go to this next one, please, is that we, there are two, and there are two approaches. What we tend to do is the one that's on the top. We try to have an outcome-based uh, habit where there will be changes, meaning we try to change things this way, right? And so we, we, start, out, we start out here with the, the outcome part where it's like, hey, like, you know, I want to save 10,000 bucks or, you know, I want my kids to, you know, have straight A's. And we, and we start with the outcome and then we try to work our way back this way. I wanna, I'm going to put them in bed at a certain time or I'm going to get a second job, hoping, hoping that it changes our identity, hoping that it changes then who we, who we are. The other approach, as you can see, is an identity-based uh, identity uh, change. And that's where you would start here. And this is where I believe David's change, when he went on to change the nation of Israel, I believe that this is where it changed for him. That he had a strong sense of who God was, which then had a strong sense of who he was. He, he knew who he was as an Israelite, which then it, it impacted then what he did, his processes, he's out tending the sheep, he's out doing the things that are necessary, and then the outcome, although I don't think he ever set out to be the king of Israel, I do believe that he had an idea of maybe God was going to use him to do something great, and he goes on and becomes the king of Israel. This is how change happens. Now, then the question becomes, how do we change our identity Right? How, how, do we have to, how, how do we start to have an impact or an influence on our identity? And that is a, that's a, a, a big question, and there's a, a lot of factors that are involved in that because a lot of factors were, factors were involved in helping you become who you are. But there's kind of two simple steps that you can begin to take to have, start to have an influence on changing that identity. And there are two questions. One is deciding what type of person you want to be. 
making a decision on your outlines. I don't think I have a slide, but on your outlines, you can see all of that is there. Making a decision on the type of person that you want to be. If you want to begin to influence your identity and begin to change those things, it first starts with, well, what kind of person do I want to be? I, I want to be the kind of person, I want to be the dad that when my daughter is 22 years old, she, we have had enough relationship that I can, have, I can speak into her life. That's the kind of dad that I want to, I want to be, right? And so, so I'm making a decision, that's the kind of person that I want to be. So then... The second part is this, is prove it to yourself with small wins. Every time I, every time I, I uh, sit down with my daughter and we read a book, every time that I get on, myself down on the floor and we play with her little fake kitchen and make pancakes, right? Th- those are all little wins that are demonstrating to me the type of person that I want to be. Now, what does it look like for you in your life? I want to be more generous. I want to be more generous with my time. I want to be more generous with my money. Okay. Prove it to yourself with small wins. Oh, wow. I was at Starbucks and I paid for the coffee for the person behind me. Right? And, and, the, and the cool thing is about identity is that it doesn't have to be this unanimous decision. Meaning that like all of a sudden you don't jump in and like, I'm a Super Bowl winning quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. Right? It doesn't happen. It happens over time. And it happens, and this is a cool thing, but this guy, his author named James Clear, uh, uh, gives to us. It happens by casting a vote. Right? We live in a country where, where majority wins. Right, M- Majority wins. We have electoral college, all that kind of stuff. And, and you don't have to win every single vote. You just have to win enough votes in order for that uh, result to happen. The, the same is true when it comes to our identity. The more votes that we can cast for me being a generous person, the more I'm going to step into that identity. Are there days where I'm not a generous person? Are there days when I am not a good dad? Are there days when I act like I am still asleep, but I can hear the baby crying in the other room, right? Oh, no one else has ever done that before, right? Of course. But the more that I want, you know, just make a decision, I'm going to get up, I'm going to spend time, I'm going to play, the more I step into that identity. And that is how these things change. Now, very, I know I've said quickly a couple of times, just because there's a lot of super good content. And we'll, over the next couple of weeks, we'll kind of, you know, rehash this and look at this. And I hope as we're, I'm talking that you're applying your life and what it could look like to step into that new identity that you want to step into. Because there's, th- there's this thing called the feedback loop. Say the feedback loop. So in the feedback loop, because here's the thing. As I said before, Becoming someone is greater than achieving something because if you focus on who you are, it will shape what you do. But in the feedback loop, what it teaches us that what you do also has a shaping property on who you are. So there's this relationship, and that's why it's called the feedback loop. There's this relationship where my identity will shape my habits, but then my habits also shape my identity. Meaning that the more I'm spending time with my daughter, the more that I'm doing those things, those habits, those actions, it's reinforcing this identity of I want to be a great dad when she's 22, right? I want to be more generous. I want to be this person at work. I want to be this kind of husband. I want to be this kind of person in the world, right? And so they work together, and that's called a feedback loop. And so we're going to talk more about that uh, in the weeks to come. But here's your homework. Oh, yes. There is homework, right? And it's this. Sometime this week, uh, 
when you set goals, go ahead and put this up, Josh. When you set goals, set them according to who you want to become and not according to what you want to do, right? So we all will sit down. In fact, uh, Johnny was asking me just uh, yesterday, you know, like, what are, your, what are your goals? And normally I would sit down and I would write goals. I want to be 185 pounds. Nobody else? Okay, you're like, well, how, how heavy is that guy, right? Well, I want to be this, you know, and I want to be this. But rather than writing those, those things, what I'm starting to do is, rather than having like a, a, a number like that, I'm deciding I'm going to be a, a healthy person. Right? I'm going, to be a, I'm going to be the kind of person that goes to the gym three days a week. Do you see the difference there? Rather than saying, I'm going to go to the gym three days, I'm going to be the kind of person that goes to the gym three days a week. So when you set goals, set them according to who you want to become, not according to what you want to do. And then here's two steps for us as I end. And band, you guys can come on up here. Is investigate your current habits by asking, does this behavior help me become the kind of person I hope to be, right? Going to bed super late, does that help me become the kind of person I hope to be, right? Sleeping in, does that help me become that person? By staying in bed, not getting my daughter when she's crying, does that help me become the kind of person I want to be? And then the other one is, does this habit cast a vote for or against my desired identity, right? Does, is that thing helping me become that kind of person, and, and as you kind of sit with those questions, as you kind of think through those questions, then the second part is then initiate this process. And again, this is on your outlines. And you can take this home with you. That's why we provide these with you so that you can go home with these. But the, initiate this process. Go ahead and put this up, Josh. Uh, step one, here's the kind of person that I want to be. And you fill in that blank. Step two, here's the type of thing that kind of person. Do I have this slide, Josh? Here's the kind of person, this is, what, this is what that kind of person does. Step three, here's the small action I'm going to repeat regularly to reinforce my identity. And so as you go home and you start to make decisions on the type of person that you want to become, initiate this process. Write that out. Write out the kind of person that you want to be. Step two, here's the type of things that person does. They get up, they go spend time with their daughter. Step three, and then here's the small action, right? It's like a specific action, right? I'm gonna spend less time watching television, more time sitting down there by that little kitchen, right? Now, why do we do this? You guys can hurt and start. Why do we do this? Because I, I want you, I want your 2019 to be a from that day on moment. In the scripture, the scripture ends this way in verse 13, Josh, if you could put this up. So Samuel, he takes the horn of the oil and he anoints David in the presence of his brothers. And it says, and from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. You see, this was a moment in David's life where he had a from that day on moment. I believe God was active in his life before that. I believe that he was doing things that was helping him become who God was calling him to be. I don't believe that God randomly selected David. But when the spirit of the Lord came upon him, he had a from that day on moment. And do you know what is the beautiful thing about those that are in Christ Jesus? Is that you have this powerful force in your life called the Holy Spirit that wants to breathe his life into your habits, wants to breathe his life into your identity. And that's where the separation between the content that we looked at today, which a lot of it is from this guy named James Clear in a book called Atomic Habits. But the difference between James Clear and Atomic Habits and all the success that he has had in writing that book is that you have the Holy Spirit.
And the Spirit of God wants to come upon you in powerful ways. God, I believe, I actually believe that God wants you to become the kind of dad that you envision yourself to be. The kind of grandma that you envision yourself to be. The kind of person that is wise steward of your money. Wise steward of what God has given you. I believe God wants those things for you because God has called you and me to be the ones that are a blessing to San Diego. And a a blessing to our families. And a blessing to this community. Scripture tells us from Abraham that God blessed Abraham not because he thought Abraham was awesome, but but because he said, I'm going to bless you and you are blessed so that you can be a blessing to others. And I want your 2019 to be a from that day on moment. I want you to look back at this series and in this year and say, that was my from that day on moment where I stopped making decisions on what I wanted to do and rather I focused on who I wanted to become. That changed everything. Would you pray with me this morning? A little long.